When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. Hello and welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, episode number 76 for Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. I'm your host, Ken Gagney, and I am recently returned from PAX East, the Penny Arcade Expo held every year in Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, that's my own backyard. Every year since 2013, I've been moderating panels at PAX East on various topics such as video game journalism, point-and-click adventures, and sexism and feminism in the games industry, that being the panel that launched this very podcast. This year, my panel was all about how to use Patreon to take your YouTube channel, Twitch stream, webcomic, blog post, whatever, to the next level. The panel was called Gaming Patreon, Building Community for Fun and Profit, and was held Sunday, April 8th at 1.30pm in the Condor Theatre. Joining me on that panel were former guests of the Polygamer podcast, Tanya C. DePass and Ian Danskin, as well as my friend Lon Seidman, who has been on another podcast I used to host, the Open Apple Podcast. I contribute to all three of these individuals on Patreon, and I was happy to chat with them further about how they use this crowdfunding platform. The audio from that panel is this month's episode of the Polygamer Podcast, which I am pleased to present to you in case you didn't follow along on Twitter with the hashtag PaxPatreon or were in the audience for the panel itself. If, after listening to this podcast, you have more questions about Patreon, you're welcome to follow up with any one of the individuals on this podcast. My name, of course, is Ken Gagney, and you can find me on Twitter at GameBits. Tanya C. DePass is on Twitter at CypherOfTear, that's C-Y-P-H-E-R, O-F-T-Y-R, and that's also her Patreon handle. Lon Seidman can be found at Lon Seidman, L-O-N-S-E-I-D-M-A-N on Twitter, and on Patreon he's Lon Reviews Tech. And Ian Danskin is the founder of Innuendo Studios, which is both his Twitter name and his Patreon name. Since PAX East ended just this week and this panel was hosted just four days ago at the time of this airing, I bumped another episode of Polygamer to make room for this timely delivery. I'll be back next month with another great interview. In the meantime, enjoy the panel. Hello and welcome to Gaming Patreon, building community for fun and profit. Welcome! (laughs) Thank you all for coming. We are going to discuss today... How to use the crowdfunding website Patreon to take your YouTube channel, Twitch stream, podcast, webcomic, etc. to the next level. How many people here have never heard of Patreon? Good, you're in the right room. How how many people here have their own Patreons? Wow, okay. How many people here back other people on Patreon? Good. How many people want to launch their own Patreons? Great. Excellent. Then you are going to go home today with some great takeaways. My name is Ken Gagney. I will be the moderator for this lovely panel of three accomplished professionals that, uh, full disclosure, I back all of them on Patreon. And I selected these fine people because they have between like a hundred and a thousand backers on Patreon. So they, it's a good representation of what can be accomplished with Patreon. 
Uh, you know, there are some Patreons out there that are making like ten to twenty thousand dollars a month on Patreon, and that is perhaps a audible, laudable goal. But you're probably not going to start there. So this is a great way to supplement or complement what you're working on with Patreon. So let's introduce ourselves. Uh, sitting immediately to, next to me is Tanya C. DePass, the founder of I Need Diverse Games. Hello, Tanya. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Hi, y'all. I can sort of hear you. I'm doing better. <laughs> so you actually have two Patreons, correct? Correct. And one is for yourself and one is for your nonprofit? Yes. And remind us, what is your nonprofit? What is I Need Diverse Games? So I Need Diverse Games is a 501c3 that came out of a lot of work in the gaming space and people wanting to have conversations about diversity and doing better and getting more people in the industry, staying in the industry. And so with that community that grew out of it, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and coming to conventions, doing talks, et cetera, are not cheap. So I put it out there. If you like the work that we're doing, then here's a way to support us, both before we became a 501c3 and then after that was approved. So that funds things like these trips to PACs, to do other things. So we're helping other conventions, smaller conventions, with uh, donations in kind, and also getting to do things like go to the Game Developers Conference. Excellent. Thank you. And on the other side of you is Mr. Lon Seidman. Hello, Lon. Hello, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> so you create videos at lawn.tv. Your Patreon is Lawn Reviews Tech, and that is a good summation of what you do. Lawn Reviews Tech. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I started kind of as a hobby about five or six years ago, um, kind of by accident. I was uh, discovering that I was, that I didn't even know I was, but I was good at search engine optimization, and I was picking up a lot of subscribers on YouTube for um, things that I was just reviewing for Amazon through this program that I got into, and it was just kind of an afterthought. Um, but over the last couple of years, it began picking up subscribers. I've been getting a lot more views. I'm, I'm changing my content strategy as a result of that, and it's been really uh, gratifying to have um, viewers that like what I'm doing. And I went full-time about a year ago, and, and the Patreon is helping part of what I do uh, to produce content. Great. Thank you. And last but not least at the end of the line is Mr. Ian Danskin. Hello, Ian. Hi. Ian is a local content creator, and he is the founder of Innuendo Studios, which is the creator of many wonderful videos. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so Innuendo Studios is a, a video essay channel on YouTube. Um, I started out mostly talking about like games and gaming culture. It's since branched out into being a little bit about movies, a little bit about art, and a surprisingly large bit about the alt-right, uh, which is fun. Back me on Patreon. I don't know. Right. Back to you, Ken. Thank you. So you all create videos. Lon, you also have an audio edition, a podcast, right? Tanya used to have an audio podcast called Fresh Out of Quarters, and you also talked about the nonprofit that you do. Are there any other things that you fund through your Patreon that we haven't mentioned in this introduction? I have a podcast in the works that hasn't started yet. Oh, great. I guess my invitation to be a guest got lost in the mail. Uh, we're not even at the who's going to be on it stage yet. We're at the what's it even about and what's it called stage. Good. To, okay. Well, those are very important things to solve before you launch your podcast. Great. Yeah. 
Uh, and finally, my name is Ken Gagney. You might tell from the slide up here with all our contact info that there's a line missing for me, which is my Patreon handle. I actually don't have my own Patreon. I've never run a Patreon or a Kickstarter. But that doesn't mean I'm unfamiliar with them. In the last nine years, I have backed 334 successful Kickstarters. And in the last four years, I have, over time, contributed to 61 different Patreons. So I've gotten an eye for what works and what doesn't, what makes a Kickstarter succeed or a Patreon succeed, what does not. Uh, I use some of that knowledge to teach at Emerson College here in Boston, where I'm on the faculty. I teach a course in online publishing, including crowdfunding, which is also a workshop I teach at the Harvard Kennedy School. If I had my own Patreon, I would use it to fund uh, a monthly podcast I do called Polygamer, which is where I interview marginalized voices in the gaming industry. Both Ian and Tanya have been on that podcast. I also do a lot of work in the Apple II community, people who use 40-year-old computers that predate the Mac, uh, which includes Lon. And I also co-host a weekly Star Trek podcast all about Star Trek Discovery, hence the shirt. So raise your hand if you've watched Discovery. The three of you, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. All right. So we are here today to talk about Patreon, and I'm curious to know, one of the things that stopped me from launching a Patreon was I had another podcast called Indiesider. It was on YouTube as well. And I thought, this thing is going to be big. And once it's big, I'm going to ask people for money. And the podcast never got really that big. And so I'm curious to know from our panelists, how did you know when it was time to launch a Patreon? Because you were each already doing the thing that you were doing, whether it was creating videos or podcasts or uh, founding a nonprofit. When did you, how did you know it was time to go on Patreon? Um, for me, I was actually kind of burning the candle at both ends with a day job and doing everything that I Need Diverse Games was turning into. And so, unfortunately, the choice was made for me. I was let go from my day job in December 2015. And so I put it out there. It's like, hey, this is what I like to do full time. And I figured I'm giving myself three months. If the support doesn't come in, then I'll go back in the, you know, nine to five day to day. But it worked out. I had friends and people who enjoyed what I Need Diverse Games was becoming support to the point where we where I could go to conventions, I could do things like that. Um, and then my personal Patreon is actually what keeps a roof over my head. So, you know, there's a lot of, this is kind of inside peek to what I do, and here's what's coming up that I'm telling you before the general public. And the personal Patreon was there for a while. It was just like, this is extra money for things I want to do to improve my streams, to improve the podcast when I was still doing it. And now the nonprofit is what keeps I Need Diverse Games running, and the personal is what literally keeps the roof over my head. Do you find that a lot of people back both Patreons? Is there a lot of overlap? Um, I do have some people that do both. Like they'll do $5 or a dollar on each one. And then with Twitch and the monetization that came up with that, some people were already supporting on Patreon, but they'll do like maybe reduce Patreon and then support on Twitch as well. So with different avenues for it, it's, you know, it's good to keep a good variation in your revenue streams. Great. Thank you. How about you, Lon? When did you know it was time to go on Patreon? When my viewers asked for it. That really? Was, yeah. They so, wanted to give you money. Yeah, and I, I hadn't intended on doing it because I was in the same boat. I had a full-time job. Uh, we had a, had a baby. Um, so, you know, I was, you know, working, coming home, taking care of the baby, putting the baby to bed and going down to the basement where I still work and I never leave um, uh, to, to do content. And what's been happening, I think, and this is what's been really exciting about where we are, where media is, and not just the kind of media that, that we're here at PAX for, but just media in general, is that... I think there's a, there's a notion out there now that, that helping creators, whatever they're creating, uh, produce what they produce with small contributions is becoming the norm. 
And, and I think a lot of people were looking for a way to help me like they were helping other creators. I was giving to Patreon, Patreon accounts for YouTube creators that I liked well before I started my own. Um, so when that ask came, I said, all right, I'm going to put it up. And I was very clear with people, look, I'm not going to do anything special or different um, for a couple of reasons. One is that I didn't have time to do separate content for patrons, uh, but also that in, you know, just from my own uh, channel, I didn't want to create two classes of service, if you will. So I just said, look, I'm not going to do anything really different. Um, but if you want to contribute, you know, you're welcome to do that. And I created that for people, and it's just kind of been an organic thing that's, that's grown over time. It's really great that they asked for that opportunity, because that's what Scott McCloud proposed in the book Reinventing Comics. He thought that if we had a system of microtransactions, people would want to pay for mm -hmm. this stuff. They don't want to sign up for, like, an $8 a month subscription for the Washington Post for things they might never read. But they'll give you, like, a dollar per video if they're going to watch your video. Yeah, and it, what's happened since then is now people are asking for cryptocurrency. So I started with Bitcoin, then it was Ethereum, and then it was Bitcoin Cash. So I've had to learn about a lot of these different things, primarily because viewers are asking for ways that they can help support what I do. So you just have this giant vault where you go swimming in Bitcoin. Yes, it's, it's millions of dollars now, and I'm going to retire on it. Im impressive. Yeah, and so, oh, never mind. Uh, I, need, I need another couple more bucks from you, okay? <laughs> what? I already, anyway. Ian? Um, I, I decided to run a Patreon when I looked at my bank account and there was nothing in it. Ooh. Um, so, like, uh, when I, I released my first video essay and then a few months later I, I hadn't been able, like, I just, I was a part-time student and a freelancer and I just hadn't had time to make another one. So I ran a Kickstarter that was just like, hey, I would like to do another year of videos on a somewhat regular schedule. How would people feel about that? And it was successful. And then I launched a Patreon when that money ran out. Um... And then for a while it was like I was juggling Patreon school and freelancing, but I was able to carve some time out of the freelancing for my own stuff. And then eventually, like last year, I was able to actually say like, hey, we need to either scale this up or scale it down. And the patrons were like, let's scale it up. And so now, like after years of doing it, I'm able to do it full time. Awesome. So all three of you are doing your, the thing that Patreon funds you for is what you do full time. Uh, by the way, if anybody, there will be Q&A at the end. If you want to toss in a question or comment during the panel, we're using the hashtag PaxPatreon as seen on the screen. So feel free to do that, and I'll be monitoring that stream. So you do this full time, and Patreon make, helps make that possible. Is Patreon your primary source of revenue? Not necessarily your exclusive one, but is it where you get most of the money that you need to do your thing? Anybody? No. Um, it's part of it. And what I've been focused on is multiple revenue streams. Um, we all know how, how uh, uh, YouTube can be a little unpredictable on the revenue side. Um, and and we, we're going to talk about Adpocalypse in a little bit, so I'll save some, some little nuggets there. But um, what I've decided to do with mine is I needed help uh, in my studio. I review products. A lot of that is repetition of, of, of tasks. So when a computer comes in, we test the same things on every single one. Uh, it took a lot of my time to do that, uh, some of the editing that I do on the channel. Um, so what we decided, what I decided to set as a goal for the Patreon was hiring somebody. I hired a 20-hour-a-week person who's working for me now um, who's primarily funded through the Patreon. And so that way I'm saying to viewers, and this is the truth, is that their contributions are directly helping the growth of the channel. It's not going to my pocket. We created a job uh, for somebody to, to help build the channel more. And I, I would hope over time that I could do that, do more of that, um, to have that kind of fund the payroll. Uh, for me, it's about 80 to 90%. And one of the goals for us as well is to get someone hired because there's only one of me. Um, but I do have various things. I do a lot of freelance journalism. 
Um, people have been very kind with donations when we kind of put the hat out for the I Need First Game side. But for, for the personal stuff, it's mostly Patreon and freelance when I can get it. Um, I have room in my schedule to take on freelance gigs, but since going full-time, I haven't. Um, like I, uh, I, I like leaving that time free to do things like this. So we've talked about what you use the money for, whether it's to pursue your art full-time, to hire somebody part-time, to go to cons and support grants and the like. So those are the goals for Patreon, but you can also offer rewards, which are incentives for people to give you money. What sort of rewards have you found effective without it becoming a full-time job? Because like Kickstarter re reward fulfillment can take years to complete. So you want to keep it you know, a, a low activation barrier for yourself. Uh, for me, people at a certain tier can request um, a specific game be discussed or a blog post topic. Or I'll do like, here's an AMA. No, between these days, I'll take questions and I'll write a post in response. Fortunately or unfortunately, travel has kind of pushed that back a bit. But it's been very interesting, the engagement that I'll get, because some people are very happy with a peek and kind of behind the curtain stuff. And other people want to know, like, was it your planning? Was it you want to do? So there's anything from like $10 and up, depending on what folks want from me. And there's a couple tiers where it's like, I know it's that kind of, I don't really ever expect anyone to support me at this level. But if they do, it means they're going to get like personalized attention. They're going to get content just for them. Maybe some instruction on podcasting, streaming, et cetera. And if I recall, Tanya, you have at least a few backers that support you at the $250 a month level. That's actually a glitch in Patreon. Something screwed up. <laughs> really? It's a glitch. I have one person at $150. Wow. Okay. I, I mean, I'm still impressed because $150 a month is a lot. It is. Oh, trust me. When I saw that email, I was like, well... I, I guess I've got some more work to do. <laughs> now, is this, and not that I'm asking for TMI, but is this somebody who is sustaining that level as opposed to just doing it once? Mm -hmm. Because I've seen Patreon creators say, oh, back me for like $1,000 for one month instead of $100 for 12 months because it'll look really good for that one month. No, if someone's going to, if someone is going to support me, whatever ability level or whatever they're comfortable with or what it is they'd like to get out of me. And if it's something like a diversity consultation that will go on and on, if you want to give me $250 a month to diversity consult with you for a year, I will happily take your money. <laughs> uh, what, what about, let's skip over lawn for the moment. Ian, what sort of rewards do you find useful? Um, rewards, like, so what I do for rewards is I have a, uh, I have like a behind the scenes blog um, for people who are 10 and up and I have a uh, annotated versions of the videos for $5 and up. Um, but there was a period where like when I was trying to build my Patreon, I was talking to a lot of other YouTubers and asking them like, what do you do on your Patreons? How do you, how do you build that up? Like what kind of perks should I do? And a lot of them were pretty explicit with me that like people, like it depends on the Patreon, but for the most part, people don't back you on Patreon because they want perks. Like they back you because they want your work to keep coming out and that's what they're invested in. And a lot of the time they just like, I like you and I, I want to have some sort of connection with you. And even just the access to like, I get these private posts, like that's valuable to them. So, um, sometimes if I'm like really crunching on a lot of videos and I haven't had time to update like the behind the scenes blog or anything, like it doesn't really affect my patronage that much. Um, and sometimes I think we overfocus on like, oh, we need to give them really, really cool behind the scenes stuff and everything, which like when I pulled my patrons on like, what, what kind of perks would you like? Most of them were like, 
honestly, we just think you're cool. And like, uh, if there was a perk where we could like take you out for a beer or something. And I was like, well, no, there isn't, but that's cute. <laughs> so I don't know. I try not to worry about it too much, but that's what I do. And Lon. Yeah, so um, I've developed it over time. I started with a credit roll, which I still do. Um, it went from being like 20 seconds to about a minute and a half now. Um, so I have, I have basically three tiers. One is the $50 or above tier, which is crazy that people do that, um, but they do. I have three, three that do. Um, and I do a shout out at the, you know, every, after the end of every video, you'll hear your name. Um, people that are five and above get a static slide that runs at the end of the video, and then I've got a roll of, of names that comes after that. Um, so that was the first line of perks. Um, the other thing I've started doing now is offering, I get in a lot of stuff from brands that they don't want back again, you know, the free stuff that you hear about, and those of you that follow me know that I've been very vocal about how influencer marketing has not been very clear with people about how things get to these channels and what the relationships are. Uh, so as a result, I don't sell things that I get for free because that would that would kind of break down my ethics policy. So what I've been doing with my creators is, or my uh, patrons is saying, um, hey, you know, here's a bunch of stuff. Um, you pay the cost of shipping. We'll do a little drawing. And I do that about once a month for those as a kind of an added perk just to get stuff out of the house. My wife doesn't want it there. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually have a question about that because, Lon, you are getting some of the stuff that you review for free and then you're putting it, you know, so you're getting the product for free, you're reviewing it, and you're getting ad revenue from that. Uh, you're doing a drawing which brings people in. Uh, Arcanus asked on Twitter, does that feel like, like double or triple dipping where you're already getting all this content and all these, this revenue from YouTube, for mm -hmm. example, and then you're asking people for more money for videos that you're already getting paid to make? Well, I think it's a matter of people wanting to support the channel. Um, a, a large number of the things that I review are things that I actually purchase and then resell. There's a whole other mechanism that I have for that. Um, but the reality is, look, you know, you've, you've got to earn a living here, and I can't earn a living just on YouTube ad revenue. I can't earn a living just on uh, Patreon dollars. So, you know, it is a business that I'm running, and I have to find ways to develop that revenue. And I think, you know, having patrons there, to be honest with you, I don't actually advertise that I give these things away on the Patreon thing. So people don't even, I don't think you know that this is even a perk until you get in. Um, and I've been very mindful of that, just saying, hey, this is kind of between us. Um, now you all know. Um, but uh, <laughs> this is the first time I've ever announced it to anybody. But that's, but you know. Hot it was, scoops. Yeah, it was just a means of, yeah, hot scoops. But it was a means of getting rid of, honestly, God, it, was a, it was a means of getting rid of the stuff. Um, because I had to get out of the house. I really didn't feel comfortable selling it. So this seemed to be the best way to get it out of the house and keep my marriage uh, stable. <laughs> okay, uh, here's a quick question. Uh, this is probably obvious to all of you, but it's probably not when you haven't launched a Patreon yet, is that Patreon offers you two ways to be monetized. You can either ask to be paid per month or per creation. And I think all three of you are doing per month. Why did you choose that model? Because uh, if I did per creation, I'd never have any money. <laughs> no, well, it, depending on what people want and what my travel schedule is, it's going to be hard to constantly even set up content ahead of time because like with the AMA stuff, I never know what people ask, so I can't plan ahead for that. Um, so per creation, it also gives people kind of an out where, I'm sorry, per month will give people kind of an out where it's like, you know, maybe this month is, is a little lean, whatever, and I won't feel bad if I drop this month for a couple months so things get better. And again, per creation, I'm not producing a physical thing. I'm, I'm not yet doing video, things like that. So I would feel bad taking money per creation if I'm not constantly outputting. And so per month, if like I'm not doing enough for patrons or they need to drop it for a while, you can go, hey, I'm a little light, whatever, and it lets them off the hook, and it let, I don't feel as much guilt. I still feel guilty, trust me, if I don't constantly produce stuff like like every few days, every week, once a week or something. 
And Lon, I'm guessing that since you produce about 20 videos a month at least, and people can cap how many donations they make, so they're probably going to limit themselves to like the first video or two anyway. I would bankrupt my audience. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I opted just, it's just easier um, to do it that way. I knew the level of content I produce and um, you know, it, it works better that way. And I think too, people often don't realize what they're signing up for, so when they click on stuff, they could inadvertently decide, oops, I didn't mean to be unlimited. And then you'd have to figure out how to get, you know, I was trying to reduce the customer service burden also on that. So that was one, another reason why I did monthly. And Ian, I'm, again, this is me guessing, but your videos are elaborate and take a lot of research. I've learned so many German words from your videos. <laughs> I'm guessing that sometimes you need that sustained revenue to continue producing just a single video. It, yeah, I mean, I, I'm in a place where I can't afford to miss a month of revenue. Um, and I like to say that, well, if I ever produced two videos in a month, I wouldn't want to charge people twice for that. That's an entirely hypothetical situation right now. Okay. Uh, let's see. So actually, let's start again with Ian for this question, because you had a moment where you said, let's scale up or scale down. And I remember, like, I checked your Patreon one day, and I checked it the next day, and it had just exploded. Oh, my God. You had so many more subscribers, and it was so gratifying to see because your videos are so excellent, people were finally figuring that out. What happened to, to make you get so many more backers? And in general for the whole panel, what, what have you done that drove people to your Patreon? So I feel like this is a thing that I think creators like, well, I don't want to say all creators, but people like me, if you're like neurotic weirdos, um, you feel really weird like actually asking for money, right? Like it's okay to put like a little stinger at the end of a video. It says, if you want to give me money, you know, you, you can, you know, I mean, whatever, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it guys. Um, but there was a point where I was just like, uh, the amount of work I'm putting into this, that labor is not really being compensated, but it doesn't leave me enough time to freelance as much as I need to like actually make a living. So I just put out this video saying like, hi, so Either I'm going to switch this over to per video and there's just going to be a video comes out maybe a couple of times a year and I'm primary, I'm just going to get like a work a day job or we can get this up to this level and then I can do this full time and put out a video every month. Um, and actually asking for the money, you find out you have a lot of people who like in theory would be willing to give you money, but just haven't been reminded enough times that like it would benefit you or do not have an accurate understanding of how much it would benefit you or how much it would benefit like your productivity. Um, and so sometimes you just have to come out and actually ask for it, even as much as that makes your skin crawl. And, and then sometimes people overwhelm you and then you want to hide under a blanket for three days. Lon? So uh, for me, I think the, the credit rolls helped. I have another thing that I do, a weekly wrap-up video, which is like a, it used to be like five minutes of whatever, but now it's a 30-minute diatribe. Um, and I started off with thanking the people that contributed the past week. Um, I think that that's helped remind people that that's an option for them. And again, I look at it from a similar perspective in that, you know, I... I, I was a contributor before I was a creator on the Patreon system, so I know what some of these creators are struggling with, and I know I just like to help people out who I like, and, and I want to keep seeing more of their content, and, and that's been kind of the approach I took with it, and I think other people that are contributing are seeing the same thing, or contributing for those reasons. Uh, for me, it was just being blunt and honest of like, here, hey, this is what happened. If you like what I do and want me to keep doing it, then here's an option to support the work that I do. Um, because I wasn't I'm not super well-known, I'm not famous or anything. And so it's like this little bit of the corner that I'm trying to make better in gaming 
You all say you like it. Now here's a chance to put money where your mouth is. And not in a ha, give me money, but in a, this is literally what I want to do. And enough people have said I like this and I need this in gaming. So even at a dollar a month, if enough people do this, and I often would frame it in, I've got X number of Twitter followers, X number of social media followers. If just half of you gave a dollar, we could do so much more. Uh, because, you know, and I'm not bragging because I feel many ways about social media, but I'm over 12,000 Twitter followers at this point. If a third of those people even just supported me a dollar, there's so much more that the organization could do. So that's why I try to frame it of, it's easy to click a like, it's easy to reshare a tweet, but at the end of the day, resources mean that you can do more work. And it's a little harder, I think, for me because I'm doing more community work and not giving a tangible thing. And it's hard to quantify that, and people don't see it sometimes as real work. But it's both actual labor and emotional labor that that is going out to. And it's not like I'm keeping the money and hanging on to it. Everything that comes in goes right back out in some way or the other. And that dollar a month comment was, was reminded me of something too, because I, I changed my I have my little credit roll that runs at the end of the video, and I mentioned that hey, you can help the channel for as little as a dollar a month. And I think that that low ask um, is something that people say I could do a dollar a month. I like this guy. And most of my contributors are giving a dollar a month, and they have been for a long time, and it, and it scales. As Tanya said, no matter how many people give to your Patreon, it'll be a fraction of the people who follow you on, on Twitter, who subscribe to you on YouTube, etc. But that small fraction will be super dedicated and loyal because they like your work enough to give you money. And unlike the unnamed masses on Twitter and YouTube, you actually know who these people are, and you have a relationship with them. So what is it like building that relationship with those individuals? How do you interact with the people who give you Patreon on that more personal level? Some people establish a Discord channel, which in terms of expenses is minimal and allows your community not only to chat with you, but with each other. Other creators create uh, once a month Skype video Q&A where they hang out with the people who give them $50 a month. Like they're, you're buying time with that creator. How do you interact with your community, Tanya? Um, I've got a Discord, and all levels get access to Discord channel that's just for patrons. And sometimes, if I don't get a lot of engagement actually on Patreon on a post, I'll reshare it there and go, hey, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, but there are also such as ways to communicate and go, do you like what I'm doing? Is there something you would like different? Do you want a video AMA versus a text AMA? And found out that even though I was doing my best to accommodate schedules, a video AMA just wasn't something people wanted. Because hmm. they were like, we already watch you on Twitch, we already do other stuff. We can communicate with you in other ways. And I was very lucky that I Need Diverse Games had a community already built before I started that Patreon. So I wasn't coming from the ground up. And then that you know, helped with my personal one because it's like, you know this is what I do. You want me to keep doing it. Then here's the personal one. So the community part of it is there and it's like I'm accessible on Twitter and it's being present and being visible. And, you know, and, and realizing also that, and this is going to sound terrible, that while people are supporting you and they're giving you money, there is a level of, there still needs to be kind of a level of distance because there have been instances where people try to get a little too familiar. They go, well, I gave you $5 a month. And I'm like, that doesn't mean you get to know everything going on in my life. So recognizing the community is there, but also being setting appropriate boundaries, I guess would be the right thing. Lon? So I ask on a somewhat regular basis. And I, I remember when, when the Patreon start, started to build itself higher, I, I, I sent out, a, you could send a message just to patrons on Patreon. And I said, what, what, what would you all like, you know, you're giving me money, I'd like to do something for you. Um, what would you like me to do? And it was like crickets, like the first, <laughs> the first one I sent out. Uh, second one at, went out, you know, some people were like, oh, we just want to help you and support you. And, and it's been 
um, you know, it, 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 I'm kind of in the same thing where it's like kind of uncomfortable. These people are giving you money, um, and you want to do something for them. But generally, I think I attracted um, the, the types of patrons that I am, which is that I'm not expecting anything here. I'm just looking to to support a channel. So that was that was about the extent of that. So I I do send out you know emails to the to the group occasionally. Um, I say email because, as we'll hear in a few minutes, I have now like two different ways of doing this this uh, viewer support thing, which has created a lot of bookkeeping. Um, but it's uh, something I do. I, I do want to keep touching the patrons in an in a individual way that way, so that at least people know that I'm I'm not taking their support for granted. Um, but yeah, it was surprising not to hear any feedback as to what people wanted from what I you know from their contributions. Ian. I mean, I think I'm in the similar boat to Tanya on this one about like like I want my patrons to feel like we're all on the same team. I don't really want to cultivate the idea that like we're all pals. Um, and especially when I got messages saying like, hey, you seem like someone that I'd, I'd like to go out and have a beer with. I'm like, uh, okay, I I'm a person on the internet and you're paying me for my content. Like, I think you're cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I think all my patrons are really cool. Um, but I just like, it is a financial transaction. And I, for one, like really resent like the faux sincerity that a lot of businesses have today where they're sort of like, Hey, everybody's friends. And it's like, no, this is a business relationship. And like, as soon as I'm not valuable to you, you we're not friends anymore. And, um, I like to think I'm a little more human than that with my patrons. It's like, I like these people, even when like I'm only getting a dollar from them or even like I get a lot of people who, like, cancel their pledge and they say my financial situation changed but i still really like your stuff and i'm like that's fine i think you're great you're so great um but i've been really hesitant to start like a discord channel or anything because i i don't want to what do they call it? a parasocial relationship i don't want to form a parasocial relationship with them um if anybody okay so you can't go to it because it's opposite this panel right now so don't go there but like there's a guy who studies parasocial relationships who's doing the the psychology of Zelda panel right now um, I saw him yesterday at the PTSD panel which is really interesting and you should look up parasocial relationships but don't go to that panel because say here <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ian I since I back your patreon I know that you often send out pre-release versions of your videos for us to uh, get a sneak peek or to edit for you or mm -hmm. But you do eventually release all your content uh, to the general public, which is one of what one of our Twitter users here just asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, backers will get like rough cut versions. Like I'm always like, oh, you get it a day early, and I don't know if it's so much like a perk that they get the rough cut, so much as if I'm going to release this a day early, you're not going to get the final version because I need that extra day. <laughs> um, but yeah, people can see like, oh, there's a line that got cut or in the final version, there's a line that got added or something. Um, and I leave those up for a few weeks before I finally take them down. But I don't know, there's that. So you've been running your Patreons for a couple of years now and you've uh, had a moderate amount of success. What mistakes have you made along the way that you wish you'd known to do or not do something earlier or you would have done it differently? Anybody? Uh, Over-promising? Um, like, if I fall behind being really optimistic about how long it's going to take to get back on track, or sometimes talking about, like, here's what the next video is going to be, and it's going to come out next month, and then being like, okay, actually, that's a really heady topic. Like, uh, there's the video I put out a couple years ago about the beginner's guide that was, like, ended up being the longest video I've ever made. It's, like, 33 minutes long, um, and it took me three months to make. And I just kept talking about, like, this beginner's guide video is coming out next month. And it's like, no, it's not. Stop saying that. Um, and honestly, if I had just said, this is going to take three months, like, I don't think anyone would have complained, but I just, I feel beholden to my patrons and I, I want to be super optimistic with them. And I've had to rein that in. 
this might lead to our next question, but choosing Patreon, <laughs> that was, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, was a mistake in, in the sense that, you know, I, I've been very, I've been very um, mindful of not putting all my eggs in a basket. And I put all my eggs in a basket with Patreon, and I regretted that decision. And I've since corrected, but we can lead into yep. that. Tanya? Um, for me, it was just not realizing how much time I had versus content I wanted to put out. Mm. Because when I was doing the podcast, it was like guaranteed every week, here's some early content for you. And then when the podcast ended, it's like, okay, well, now what do I do? And kind of overestimating between travel and other obligations what I could do for patrons. And also what it is that I want to share, like where's that comfort level in behind the curtains peak or talking too much about opportunities. Because you can always ask your patrons not to share outside a lock post, but as we know, that doesn't always happen. Uh, so just kind of figuring out that comfort level and what it is I want to disclose and share. And as far as f figuring out how much time you have to create content and over-promising, uh, but why though PC in the audience asked, do you limit how many people can subscribe at a certain tier so you're not over-committing your rewards? Yeah, all my high tiers have very low because if someone ever did subscribe to me at like 250, if I, if I got 10 people wanting that per month, that's basically all I'm going to do for the month is setting up these calls with people and an hour, hour and a half, that's like, what, 30 hours before prep time. So for higher, like the higher tier that you put on your Patreon, I'd really recommend anywhere from a one to five limit on it because if someone is going to give you that much money per month, you also should give them your time and attention. So if you start getting people that want like 10, 20, 30 at a super high tier, that's going to be all you do instead of your other content. I used to back a Patreon, and I think it was for $3 a month, there was a musician, she would pay you a compliment. And so once a month, I would get an email from her saying something really nice about me. And we had actually met like twice, so she knew who I was. But like after a year, she's like, I've run out of nice things to say about you. I don't know you that well. I'm sure you're a swell guy. I can't keep doing this. I'm changing my reward level. <laughs> Could you pay more for an insult? <laughs> I think she... No. I'd pay for that. So actually, <laughs> that's... for free on the channel, but I'd pay for that too. So a brief tangent, I met another... Patreon creator who I used to back and I had just canceled my pledge to her recently. I still liked her work, but my financial situation had changed. And I was embarrassed because I thought she might remember this. And I'm like, oh, hey, it's great to see you again. I'm sorry I canceled my pledge. And she said, Ken, the great thing about Patreon is that I'm not getting one person giving me $1,000 a month. I'm getting a 1,000 people giving me $1 a month. And if any one of those cancel on me, it doesn't really impact my bottom line. It's not like I lost a job or a contract or a freelance gig. I keep doing what I'm doing, and it's barely a blip on the radar. So that's nice about Patreon is that, in a way, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. But let's talk about that, because I asked you what mistakes you have made. Patreon made a huge mistake this past December, and they proposed changing their fee structure where the people who were giving at a very low level, $1, $3, we're going to be paying proportionately a lot more fees for every creator that they backed. And there was a mass exodus of backers, people fleeing the platform before they could even enact these changes because they didn't want that showing up on their next credit card bill. So many people fled that Patreon changed their mind and said, we're not going to do that. We're sorry. We'll rethink this and we'll collaborate with creators next time to make sure that this doesn't happen again. But nonetheless, it was a learning lesson for a lot of people, and a lot of those backers who left Patreon have not come back. So what did you learn from that experience, Tanya? Um, that people don't want to get nickel and dime because for many people, they can support a wider range of creators at the dollar level. And I had friends who were like, well, I'm supporting 20 people at a dollar a month. 
this is going to double what I do, and let's not forget international folks. The exchange rates, things like that. You're looking at like maybe 20 US dollars in pledges turning into 40, 60, maybe 80, depending on where you're at. And so a lot of people either dropped entirely, they switched to sending a PayPal, because, hey, I'm sending you a buck a month. This doesn't cost me anything. Um, and I think they saw that rate of attrition hit much faster than they expected. And the irony of it is the big creators who are getting those thousands of dollars per month, people are like, you can take the hit. So they had big drops. And when those people are like, well, I guess I'm going to drip. I'm going to something else. They were like, oh, we're losing all this revenue. And so they're like, well, we made a mistake. And it wasn't to help small creators. I never believed that line. I was very upfront with my community. I was like, here's what they sent us, and let's talk about it. I actually did a, a Twitch kind of Q&A about it, and it wasn't meant for small creators. It, I really felt like it was meant to drive small creators off and bring the big money makers on, and the medium to large creators would be okay. Luckily, it didn't drive me off or, or keep me from having a lot of uh, community fallout, but it was a very, very bad move, and I'm glad they backtracked on it, but they should have actually talked to people first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I agree completely. This was, everyone needs to understand, Patreon has is, is, is got $100 million in venture capital backing it. It started with a very good intention by a fellow creator, and as money gets into the mix, I think they were trying to find a way to make their business more valuable. And uh, that meant changing how some of the uh, overhead that they had to deal with in processing credit card transactions. And uh, for me, what happened was I was on, see, whenever I go on vacation, all this stuff usually happens to me. So I'm, I'm on vacation in Florida, and I live in Connecticut. Those of you who are in Massachusetts, like we've had enough of this winter, you go down to Florida, it's really nice. I was like ahead of my content, and I just see this email come from Patreon about how this wonderful new change is going to make things so much better. And I'm looking at this thinking, like, seriously? They think that's better? I could just, I was just predicting what was going to occur five minutes later. And you can almost see your patrons just dropping off. And one of the, the real geniuses of what they did with Patreon was the aggregation of microtransactions. And what I mean by that is credit card fees are very expensive on a one-off basis. So with, with pay, PayPal, for example, uh, somebody gives you a dollar, there's a, a 30 cent something transaction fee plus 3% of the total, so you get like 67 cents out of the mix. If somebody's on Patreon uh, and they're giving $20 to 20 different creators a buck at a time, you actually get more because they're able to, to charge that, that patron 20 bucks and that percentage is, is far more diluted. That 30 cent transaction uh, fee uh, is diluted across all, all of that um, $20 contribution. So in many ways you do better with Patreon than you, you would do otherwise if somebody's giving to a lot of different people. And that was their real business model. That was what made them really successful was that you could make money getting a dollar a month from people and they blew it up. It just didn't make any sense to me. And the only thing that did make sense was what you just said, which is it was about trying to bring in the bigger money. Um, I'm glad they reversed their decision. Uh, but what I decided to do at that point, because I, I had, had this thing in my head, I really got to come up with something else. And I started looking at maybe coding something myself. Um, what's been surprising is there's not been a very good way to get uh, uh, monthly revenue from people um, without having to do something. And I found something called DonorBox, um, which is a business model designed to help nonprofits. Uh, it's free for the first, uh, if you don't get more than $1,000 a month, it's free. Otherwise, they charge you like a half a percent or something. It's really minimal. And I switched to that um, as my primary way to contribute to the channel. I lose a little bit on those dollar contributions, but at least I have more control over it. Uh, DonorBox is not trying to become Patreon. They're not trying to be this big, huge thing. 
Um, and I think that I, I was able to get a lot of those people back. And now I get about half of uh, the contributions via DonorBox, the other half via Patreon. Uh, Patreon does have some advantages in that they give you paywall kind of features that you wouldn't get with something like this. It's required a little more bookkeeping because now I've got to merge my Patreon list with the DonorBox people and have an email thing going. But I'd much rather have more options. And uh, that was one way that I was able to deal with it. Ian. So one of the going theories for why Patreon made the move they did, um, and this is something that, if it's true, Patreon can't come out and admit, is that when they were collecting money from a whole lot of people in one charge, and then also collecting like the money that you have going out to other patrons, um, and then they're just like, oh, we're just going to deduct these fees out of the money you've got coming in, into the money you've got going out. We're going to chop everything up and send it all to where it's going, and you're only going to have to pay one fee on that, and we'll cover that fee. That by doing business that way, they were technically not operating like a normal commercial business. They're operating more like a bank, and they're not being regulated like a bank. Um, and so... If that is what was going on, it's the reason they had to spin this as, oh, this is for the benefit of the creators on Patreon, is because if they admit that actually it's because we were breaking the law, they might get a whole bunch of fines. Hmm. Um, if that is what was going on, then like the thing I learned from all this is something is still coming down the line. Like they walked back from this. They're already no longer doing the thing where like the money I have going out to other uh, people on Patreon is no longer coming out of the money I have coming in. It's now like a charge that goes to my card before money comes in, which is always sucks because it's like, oh, you're right before payday is when you're going to like hit me with like $80. Um, and I hate that. But I don't know. It's just a reminder that like, Patreon is a fabulous tool for creators. As a business, it's not your friend. And at the end of the day, like they are maybe going to do something that kind of screws you over and they're not even going to admit why they're doing it because like they're a business and they either can't or it's just not in their best interest to do it. So Patreon offers a lot of features. We put up with these hassles, but we all stick with the platform because they offer something valuable. There are ways, though, that it could be better. Uh, they, for example, are continuing to evolve. This past December, they rolled out a WordPress plugin that you can use to enable people to log into your own website using their Patreon handles, and you can gate your own content, and you can separate your own website into what you can access based on how much you're donating on Patreon. What else would you like to see added to the creator's toolkit to enable you to offer rewards, interact with your audience, anything? What, how else can a Patreon evolve and improve themselves? Um, actually be able to stream content through the site. They tried it. It was terrible. I actually just went back to Facebook. Not Facebook, I'm sorry, YouTube. And set up an event and it was private just to my patrons. Because their attempt at streaming things was terrible. Because even though I'm on Twitch and I'm partnered, I can't set up a stream just for certain people. I can set it so only subscribers can talk, but that's not fair to everyone else if they're not a patron. Um, and what I would like it is, you know, and the off chance that someone does become a problem, if they are an issue, if they subscribe to you, if they even want to just give you a dollar a month, it's kind of a petty, ha-ha, I'm still here thing. Be able to block them, return their money, say never let them subscribe to me again. Because I have had friends that unfortunately have had people where that's their way to kind of get back at them. So better controls over who can and can't. And they're like, I don't want to turn away money, but not all money is good money. And I know this sounds strange to say on a Patreon panel, but my peace of mind is worth a lot more than your five bucks where you just want to mess with me. That streaming that you were talking about, is that Patreon Lens? What? 
lens. That's that new mm -hmm. thing, right? Yeah, because, okay, so that's what Patreon streaming is called, and I've been on the receiving end of the, those streams, and it seems to work okay, but I don't know what it is like to create those videos, and apparently it's not very good. It's not. It was, you know, you couldn't set up a stream the same day, that, and they would set up a post, and then it would post again when you're live. It was very, oh, like, I did not really well done. It, it, it wasn't like on the fly, I'm here at PAX, I want to talk to my audience right now after a great panel. I couldn't do that. I would have to like set up a, like a YouTube or something and do that. Got it. All right, Lon? Yeah, I think there was an opportunity for Patreon to really become kind of a YouTube alternative perhaps or, or a blogging alternative perhaps. I think it's good that they did what they did with WordPress. That's a great feature. I didn't realize, I think you may have told me that the other day, but that's a really helpful thing. But, um, you know, it's hard for small creators to create paywalled content. And I think Patreon could really do a lot there, um, but they're not. Yeah, mostly I just want them to make the features they already have work better. Um, I would like more community management options. Like uh, it, YouTube has some community management features, like you can make certain words banned from comments. Um, it's really bad even on YouTube, but that feature doesn't exist at all on Patreon, um, which I would appreciate. I wish I had more options for dealing with like people who are leaving difficult comments um, than just like, you know, deleting the comment completely. Um, you can refund somebody their money or you can block them, but it's very hard to do both at the same time. So like you can really only refund someone their money if you have a Patreon balance, which I usually only have at the very end of the month. And if someone's being a problem, I want to ban them right away. But then once I've banned them, I can't refund their money. <laughs> um, and that it's like, I'm always telling people if they're being troublesome, like, Hey, you can either behave yourself or I'll be happy to refund your money. Like I always frame it as like, I will give you your money back. Um, if, if like, you know, uh, if you're being a problem, like I'm not going to just cut you out of here, take your money and run. Um, so that people can't really argue that I'm like censoring them. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm refunding you. But <laughs> the one time I've had to block somebody, I'm like, oh wait, now I can't refund them. I'm like, well, guess I'm keeping that money. Well, that's the penalty they get for being jerks. <laughs> and awesome. now I just make those $7 rain on myself before bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, I want to take at least 10 minutes to do Q&A, and I like to do Q&A a little bit differently. Instead of having you line up somewhere, which you know favors the people who are sitting next to the microphones or those that are able-bodied, I am going to walk around to people who have their arms up, their hands up, and I'm going to let you ask your question that way. So raise your hand if you have a question. All right, I'm going to start here in the back. Also, I get more steps on my Fitbit this way. Hi. Oh, and also, these are questions which yep. end with a question mark. They're interrogative in nature, and they exclude life stories. <laughs> but if you want to briefly plug your own Patreon, go for it. Hi. Um, oh, that's really loud, and I'm really loud. That doesn't work. Um, so I run a podcast, um, and we we're, I use Twitter as my, way, my main way to interact with everybody. We're still fairly small, um, but we've been able to build up some patrons. But my problem is, is that I've found myself interacting with my patrons differently. So like maybe having a disagreement and not coming at it the same way I would if they weren't a patron of mine. And it, it kind of sits in the back of my head. And we've had this discussion between my other co-hosts too, because it's like, how are, are we censoring ourselves? And do, have you all done that or found that? And do you have any advice for like going into those situations? Because like we're really small and it, it does take a, like we're 
I mean, we don't make the money back that we put into the project, especially because we're trying to grow. Um, so like every dollar matters. Um, but like, what would you all do in those situations? Um, I, I feel like that's kind of a, a tricky one when you're starting out because um, like in the long game that you're playing, uh, one patron who's being problematic is like not super going to break the bank because usually they're only pledging like two to five dollars or whatever. And like once you're established, you can afford to just shed those people a little easier. But when you're starting out and you know, you're not even breaking even, you can feel a lot more like you are beholden to just keep every dollar that you're making. Um, like I feel like if it was me, I would say whatever I'm in the red anyway, I'm just going to cut that person out because like I'm at the inceptual stages of my project and, um, I am creating my community now. Like this, like what foot I step set forward is kind of going to set the tone for other people who come in. And if there's someone who's like messing with people or is just like argumentative or something, um, if I allow them to stay and basically be like one of the elders of my community, like they're going to kind of affect the tone of the community going forward. Um, so I don't know. Sometimes it can, if there's a way to just like, quietly contact them and say, like, I've done this a couple of times where I message someone and say, hey, the way that you're interacting is having a detrimental effect on the community. I want to keep you in my community, but I, I'm asking you if you would be willing to behave differently. Like, because you have that ability to, like, direct message somebody through Patreon, that can be useful. Like, sometimes it, like, makes them realize, like, oh, this is a human. I'm not just interacting with a business. But I can't guarantee that's going to work. And, like, it is kind of a rock and a hard place. I'm of two minds in this because I have, I, I look at it two ways. One is I look at people who are patrons as people who are investing in what I do. And I take what, and it's not just them, it's subscribers also. I see people that comment on my videos quite frequently and I, and I take a criticism from them uh, and my Patreon supporters a little more seriously, partly because they know me best. Um, it's one thing to have a drive-by, you know, uh, troll come through, but another thing for someone who's followed me for a long time to say, wow, you know, you really blew this one or something. And I, I really take that to heart in a good way to try to figure out how I can make it better. Because I, I look at my patrons and my subscribers as kind of a, a test market for future growth. If I'm appealing to them, I know I'll get more supporters uh, later. And at the same time, I think what, what you just said is really critical too, is that I think to a large degree, we need to also police our own communities and this determine what's appropriate in there or not. Um, and sometimes you have to make the very unfortunate decision to cut off somebody who's becoming a toxic influence on the community. I think that individual contact first is really critical. I think perhaps they, they might be deserving of that given they are financially supporting you. Um, but at some point, um, I, a very wise man once told me, some will and some won't. And you just have to know when the fish are cut bait. Because if that person is destroying your community, it's going to cost you a lot more in support down the road than five bucks might be right now. Um, for me, I try to treat everyone equally, but just notice and thank people that are patrons. Because um, unfortunately, I had a situation where um, someone was supporting me on Patreon, but they felt very, very entitled to no personal information, things like that. And, and I kept getting, but I support you on Patreon. And I looked, and they were giving me like $2 a month. It's like, that's cool, I'm glad you like what I do, but no amount of money is going to be worth it. So when you have people that feel very entitled to your to who you are and your content and they disrupt the community, you know, try like one time to talk to them. And in my case, it didn't work. That actually made it worse um, because they were like, how dare you? And it's like, I will give you your $24 back for this past year. Go have a good life. It's on the one hand, it's it's not pay to play, but they are investing in you. They are supporting you. 
and the, the person who just finds your content or isn't a frequent interactor, it's going to be harder to have that investment with them. But, it's, but you have to find a line of not making people go, these people give me money. They're better than you or they're nicer than you. It's making everyone feel valued. And that's why I think having Discord in a community area that's just for your patrons can help mitigate some of that. Thank and you. I'm sorry, I can't hear very well. So if you do ask a question, can you hold the mic up? Because I'm just like, I heard most of your question and he told me what it was. Right, I'll be typing out your question. So I'm, I'm paying attention just to translate. Uh, Ken, before we move on, can you actually give them the mic back real quick? I have a question. Yes. What is the name of your podcast and how can people back it on Patreon? Um, so the name of our podcast, we actually asked a question earlier. It's But Why Though the Podcast. Uh, we're a pop culture variety podcast. Um, and our Patreon is patreon.com slash PC, And that's kind of where we are on all of our stuff. And it's me, my husband, and a really good friend um, that do it. So thank you for asking that. Great. If everybody backs them on Patreon, then they can get rid of that person and afford it. <laughs> and in addition to the plug, everybody who asks a question, also, it's a Steam code. If you could choose one of these six cards, and what game did you get? Torment Knives of Numenrena. Great. All right. Who else has a question? Let's go over here to this gentleman. Yes, you. Hi. How's it going? Uh, sorry, my voice is gone. Uh, I do a lot of different things in terms of content creation, and I have a Patreon. I'm not really sure what types of things I should focus the Patreon on uh, between podcasting, between making videos, between uh, writing and illustrating a comic book, and between being a streamer, uh, those are all things that I do. And I'm wondering if either of you have run into that situation where you were trying to push one main thing as the driving force of what you're doing and offering as the Patreon thing, or if it was more advantageous to do variety of different things. I also have this question. <laughs> um, for a Patreon, I would say, you know, what is the main thing that you're doing? So, I mean, and... No, full disclosure, I know Will. Uh, so for folks that are doing multiple things across many platforms, for your Patreon, you know, what content are you giving people? Are you giving them early access to stuff? Because as much as I like Twitch streaming, um, it is kind of a, here's what I can do on the platform, here's what I can share with you, and there is a way to monetize there that is different in a tier system than what Patreon offers. So I would say for Patreon, things like comics, if you're writing, kind of how to write things, how to do process posts, if you're an artist, like, here's what I'm working on. That's a very easy way to go. Here's process posts. Here's what I'm doing. Thanks for your patronage. And maybe at higher levels, I'll send you a digital file. So I would say things where if you can give something back, and yes, I know I don't give tangible things, but something that is going to engage your community because then they can comment on the art, they can make requests, they can do commissions. Because while streaming is great, it's not yet tied into Patreon well enough for that to be a thing, unless you're at a point where you're not able to monetize on Twitch or YouTube or Mixer or whatever your streaming platform is. But there are ways to monetize outside of Patreon that are more structured towards streaming and streaming content and things like that. So say if you're a writer, an artist, that's the things that I would focus on. If I could draw, that's what I'd be doing. And I think if you're multi-platform, focusing on your personal brand and being, and I'm now guilty of, of not following the advice I'm about to give you, uh, having your brand travel across all the things that you do 
And here's my mistake. I'm looking on my Patreon URL. It's still my old one, Lon Reviews Tech. It's not lon.tv, which is my domain now. I got a good deal on that domain a couple of years ago, and I just never switched everything over. But that's, you know, people need to know where to find you. And what happens is, and I did this myself, when I started backing people on Patreon, I started searching for all the other people that I was enjoying consuming content from, you know, pepper a dollar around the, the, the forest a little bit there, and, and what do you know? I was finding them by searching. So having that consistency, you're the same name everywhere you go, that'll help. Um, also, like, it can be useful to have multiple Patreons, like, if you're, like, really diversifying. Um, if you're just starting out, that can be kind of, like, a big ask. Um, but I would recommend maybe taking the thing that fits Patreon the best and making that the umbrella. Like, YouTubers do better on Patreon than comics artists, and comics artists do better than, like, podcasters. Like, obviously, it depends on the project. Um, but like streaming might be a thing that does really well for you. Like partly it can just be which audience is your biggest audience. Um, or it can be like which platform sends traffic to Patreon the best. And then bringing everything else in under that umbrella and being like, hi, so I'm primarily like, you know, I'm primarily a YouTuber, but hey, I also do some writing. I might also be doing a podcast. Um, uh, and that sort of like becomes bonus content. And then if something sort of takes off, you can splinter it off onto its own Patreon at some point. Cool. Thank you. Choose a card. What game did you get? The Bard's Tale. Lovely. We have time for one more question that is going to be aimed at one person. We're only going to get one answer from one question. So if you have a question aimed at a specific individual, let's go with you. Uh, hello. Uh, what do you think is sort of the sweet spot of kind of like pricing your pa Patreon a little bit? Because I was a little bit curious because I heard... Some people doing seven, some people doing 25, and some others doing around, around jumping around. And I'm thinking about what is the most sweetest spot that you could basically price it at? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, when I started, I, I was just saying, give me a dollar a month, and I wasn't thinking about it. And I've had viewers actually, as I mentioned at the beginning, people ask me to, um, to, to get, take, is there a way for them to give me money? Um, and I said, okay, I'll just set this thing up. And I didn't really have any tears for anything. I just had a credit roll. There was nothing there. So, uh, the way I have it structured now, and, and I've had some feedback that this isn't ideal, is I have one, five, and 50. And I, there's nothing in between the five and the 50, and there probably should be. And I have to figure, figure out what to do with that. But I think maybe a one, a five, a 10, and maybe a 25, and you have to figure out all the things that go in there. And one of the problems is you gotta be careful not to overcommit. Because if you are creating these tiers, uh, and people are coming to you with the intention of having some transactional relationship with you, if you can't transact that, you're going to have a lot of negative feedback, and whatever support you get goes away. Um, so you got to really give that some thought, also. Um, you know, because you you need to be able to deliver if you have tiers, because people will subscribe to certain tiers. Great, thank you. And that is time. If we could just quickly go down the line and mention again who you are and where we can give you money. Um, you can give me money either at uh, Patreon.com/backslash/cipheroftier, which is up there, or backslash/iNeedDIVGMS uh, to support our nonprofit work in the industry. Go to lawn.tv and subscribe. I'm always free. Um, if you want to give, that's your choice, but um, I'm just trying to get more subscribers on my YouTube channel, so you're all welcome to click the subscribe button. Uh, Innuendo Studios on Patreon, Innuendo Studios on YouTube, Innuendo Studios on Twitter. My name is Ken Gagney. I'm on Twitter at GameBits. I don't want your money, but if you asked me a question on Twitter and we answered it, I still have some more Steam codes, and we'll be hanging out, I think, a little bit afterward if you have more questions. Thank you so much for your time. Have a good PAX. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net.